2: Alex, we ask people all the time to submit listener questions. And most of the time, people don't. But when they do, we promise that we will respond to them. So I'm just gonna go ahead and start the podcast off with a listener question this week. Are you ready? I am so ready.
0: Oh my goodness. Have you seen
2: this listener question? Have been
0: have you been reading the DMs? Yeah, I think I know the one that you're about to ask me, but let's for the for the listener's pleasure, let's go over it. Sam.
2: Thank you, Sam. Slid into our DMs and asked in the spirit of Bobby doing his Mike Francesa impersonation, if you were to remake Uncut Gems, great movie, by the way, and have a baseball player in place of Kevin Garnett, who would it be? I gave my answer. I have a feeling, a sneaking suspicion, that you agreed with my answer, but my answer was Ricky Henderson. Alex, what would your answer be?
0: I love the Ricky Henderson answer. It he is He is bold. He is brash. He is perpetually on one I think he would be great in that role Um, I don't I don't want to just like go back to one of the three main players that we talk about on this podcast but
2: yeah you do but you Joey do. Votto
0: would be incredible in this role now he's not retired so it's a little bit of a different scenario and also has he ever been close to winning a <laughs> world series I'm not sure so for what
2: it's worth Kevin Garnett is in the first round of the playoffs
0: Yes, yeah, no, I know. But yeah, you're right. He's only been to the playoffs, what, like three times? The Reds? Yeah, that's, I don't know, man. And this is your bandwagon team. You ought to know this shit by now.
2: Yeah, you're right. I should actually know the entire history of the <laughs> Cincinnati Reds since getting Joey Votto. That's how you bandwagon a team. <laughs> that absolutely is. Yeah, he would be fantastic. He's a really good actor. I think the, the thing that makes Kevin Garnett's performance so fantastic is that He's not really performing; like he's just. I mean, he's always performing as a human being, but he's not acting. He's
0: just being himself. So you'd yeah. have to pick a player that would be really good at just being themselves, and and, and who has like enough personality to carry that role. Yeah, exactly. Like, my, I so like I love Mike Trout, but just watching Mike Trout in that role would be. I would. I tune out. I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, and I think Puig would be too weird. Like Garnett, <laughs> you're sort of like taking him seriously. Like he might kick Adam Sandler's character's ass the whole time. So. Yeah. Anybody else? You got anybody else to submit?
0: Actually, you know who would be, who would work in that role? Much to my chagrin is uh, is Derek Jeter. Ah. <laughs> and maybe I'm just saying that because, uh, because I was watching The Other Guys last night, which features a cameo from the one and only Derek Jeter. Great film, by the way. Uh, but I feel like he's got that, he's got the star power. He's got that kind of like, obnoxious star persona, you know, where you're not really sure if you should be taking him seriously or not. Yeah. I feel like that would work.
2: Yeah, it definitely, A-Rod would definitely not work in this role. God, be no. too.: He would be so bad. Like his beautiful skin, his baby <laughs> face, you'd just be laughing at him the whole time. Yeah. Putting Derek Jeter and Mike Francesa in the same movie. Wow. Good God. Just New York explodes. Seriously. <laughs> $500 million at the box office stat um all right we are today's episode is a special 2020 preview episode that we recorded a while back now about three or four weeks back with um john mcgee from Batflips and nerds uh that's going to be coming up a little later we're going to discuss a couple of news items before we get to that but before everything i am bobby wagner
0: i am alex Baisley, and
2: this is tipping pitches Alex, my one big thing before we get into our interview with John, which is fantastic, you should go listen to Bad Flips from Nerds, subscribe, follow them on Twitter, etc. It gives you a unique perspective on what it's like to love America's pastime, but not be in America and able to watch the games in the same timeline as everyone else. Um, Before we get to all of that, I think my one big news item from this week is that Yasiel Puig does not have a team yet.
0: This is true.
2: And that means that Yasiel Puig could still be a New York Met. Once again...
0: True facts only on this there's podcast.
2: There's no evidence that they've been interested either direction, other than the fact that he doesn't have a team yet, and the Mets could, in theory, side him.
0: <laughs> but they don't have enough <laughs> money to do it. But, but what one, one can dream. You know, I say, I think if we have learned anything about baseball fandom over the course of our lives, it is that you should absolutely put... uh all of your hopes and dreams into something that will never happen. So, uh, yes. so fuck yeah, we stand, Yasiel Puig, at New York Met in 2020.
2: Do you have any predictions for where he might end up,
0: or even if it's not predictions, like do you have any hopes and dreams for where he might end up? <laughs> Damn, let's do some analysis right here. Oh, yeah. um, I want to see him on the White Sox not because oh. they need an outfielder but because that's an incredibly fun or like the Mariners. I mean, I want him to be on a successful team, but I also want him to be in an environment where I mean, like we were talking with Shakia last last week, um the Mariners are a team that will not necessarily have any expectations placed on them coming into the year and they've got such a young core that will be exceptionally fun to watch and I think that those are the environments in which players like Puig, um, Tim Anderson or, or Lindor, players with these like kind of very um, colorful personalities, they can thrive the most. You know?
2: Yeah, it just please anywhere but the Yankees. You know, the Yankees are losing a lot of guys in spring training. They've already had a few injuries. They might just come in with the blank check and say, let's get Puig, extra outfielder.
0: Yeah. Luis Severino went down, so they're just going to be like, hey, Yasiel, we've seen your throws from the outfield. You want to take the mound every fifth day? <laughs>
2: Well, in that case, I would actually accept the Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alex, is there anything else you want to mention before we go to our, move to our conversation with
0: John? The last thing I want to mention is that one Madison Bumgarner. It was oh revealed that he has been secretly competing in professional rodeos when not playing baseball. Obviously, he has been. The Athletic uh, broke the story uh, last weekend. And he was going under the alias Mason Saunders and actually won like $26,000 at an event in December. And so my question to you, Bobby, is if you were to learn that Yassiel Puig was secretly engaging in a random sporting event under an alias... What sporting event would you most like to see him doing?
2: Oh, I thought you were going to ask me what would I want his alias to be. Uh, please give that as well. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, you might think that we only know seven baseball players. And
0: frankly, you might that's, not be wrong. That's true.
2: <laughs> um, okay, what sport curling?
0: That's actually what my mind went to first. I really have no idea why. Wait,
2: that, was, that was the only question, right? What was sport?
0: Yeah, yeah. And it can be, you know, as close to, like, like I would love to see him secretly doing, like, ballet or something like that. I think he would be good at that. Something that is very, like, performative and allows him to, like, tap into those emotions.
2: Okay, but maybe not curling, maybe not curling, because nobody really understands it. And also, I don't know how many emotions you can really tap into while curling. I feel like maybe, like, a floor routine. gymnastics Mm -hmm. you know because he's like he's pretty like compact but very muscular which reminds me sort of of like a gymnastics body type yeah and you can add like your own little flair i don't know if you saw the video going around this past week of the ucla um gymnastics floor routine that won i don't know some competition or some shit but it it like blew up it was
0: (laughs) it did something they like whatever they do in
2: gymnastics (laughs) i i really i don't know the name of the of the woman and i didn't even see what competition it was, but like it was this floor routine set to uh, like a Beyonce medley. Did you see this? Yeah, I did. It was fantastic. And you just sub in Yasiel Puig there. I could see it.
0: Yeah, me too. Honestly, <laughs> sure. Why not? <laughs> six four Yasiel Puig. <laughs> <laughs> Is he really six four? I don't know. Six two.
2: I feel like he's got short guy energy a little bit.
0: Yeah, he does playing with like a chip on his shoulder a little bit. Yeah, kind of. Yeah um, did did you have a did you have a stage name you wanted him to perform under? No, I I was like, you're really gonna put me on the spot trying to come <laughs> okay. up with a stage
2: name for him. <laughs> not to not
0: to muddy the the conversation,
2: but I I have sort of a serious and a silly take about the Madison
0: Bumgarner thing. Okay, I think I know where you're going with it, but yes. why are we,
2: Why are we okay with him just like? This is a dude who missed an entire season or three quarters of a season because he fell off a dirt bike, but we're okay with him doing rodeo challenges on horseback. Yeah. that is this filling drive time radio in the Bay Area? Do I just not know about it? Am I not tuning in? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know if you heard our podcast last week, but drive time radio in the Bay Area is dead. It is no longer. It's just, yeah. it's just tweets it's and just podcasts.
2: Un- <laughs> It's just on TuneIn. <laughs> Better download the TuneIn app. I don't yeah, know, that, that's my serious take. My silly take is that this is amazing, and I hate it when Madison Bumgarner does fun stuff that I have to say is funny.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that we would all be having a different conversation about this if he had gotten hurt doing it, a la Johannes Cespedes, who got yeah. a lot of derision sent his way because he was he fell off a horse on his ranch or whatever, or stepped into a hole.
2: I can't believe. it. <laughs> You saw the video of the Javelina going around? Yeah. <laughs> Someone saying that it hurts Cespedes was feeling healthy this year and it was sprinted to wherever he was <laughs> <laughs> to try to injure him again.
0: Oh, God. Madison Bumgarner, come on Tipping Pitches and talk to us about your rodeo routine. Mason
2: Saunders could be better. Yeah. it's just... I'm not willing to cave on that. Mason Saunders
0: is not a good rodeo name. No. Mason Saunders sounds like sounds like a 14-year-old... Like pop singer, you know, like pop country singer. Like, yes. oh shit, I'm going to the Mason Saunders concert. He's opening for Justin Bieber. He's. I'm imagining a world where a pop country artist is opening for Justin Bieber. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I like it. I like that world. Okay, let's move on to our conversation with John. Uh, so for this, uh, for this interview, for this chat, we, we're basically for the next three episodes, we're going to try to pre- preview what is going to define baseball in 2020. So we brought on a few people, John included. Um, and in the coming weeks, we're going to have a couple other great guests um, just to talk about what are some storylines that we think, aside from the Astro side ceiling, which is obviously going to be a through line of this whole baseball season. We wanted to talk with, pe- with other people who cover the game, whether that be a podcast or who, who write or who host a video series or whatever it might be. We wanted to talk with them about what they think is going to be sort of some underlying stories that really end up, we look back on the season and they end up mattering even more than something like the Astros Science stealing. So uh, these are going to be kind of like free-flowing conversations with people who think smartly about the game. And uh, we hope that you enjoy them and we hope that it provides some value for, for us as we move into the 2020 baseball season, which is, which is pretty much here. Yeah, it's insane.
0: I think the goal of these conversations was to just kind of break out of the, the echo chamber of the narrative around baseball that we have been kind of trapped in this whole offseason that has been dominated by sign stealing and the, the Astros and rule changes and I, I think that it's very easy for us to get bogged down into just kind of be like, well, what is the state of the game right now? And how does it move forward? And we wanted to take an opportunity to kind of zoom out and talk to people who are looking at the game from maybe different perspectives than we are and and ask them what they think is, will not only be the, the dominating storylines of the season aside from the Astros, but also what they think that, should be paid more attention to the the storylines that they'll be following that they think may get overshadowed. And, and yeah, I think these conversations really yielded some really interesting answers.
2: All right. So without further ado, let's go to our conversation with John McGee from Batflips and Nerds. All right, Alex, we are joined by John from Batflips and Nerds. Um, this is the first in our series, or the first recording at least. I haven't figured out when they're going to come out, but the first recording in a series about what's going to define baseball in 2020. Um, you and I kind of get meta. We get in our own circles, and we are not entirely sure if anyone thinks the same that we do about baseball. So we decided we would invite some other people who talk and write about baseball Um as well so john from Bathlips and nerds
1: is on the line john thanks for joining us man it's a pleasure um don't often get out of our own meta zone to talk about baseball either uh, to be brutally honest or um, time
2: zone you know we're like in three different time zones doing this thing oh my god we're on we're on different continents
1: right now i mean <laughs> this is <laughs> there's a lot going on here yeah, it's it's, it's uh, usually me just uh, having to deal with somebody else working in, uh, through a different time zone. But um, I, it's a pleasure for me to not have the faff of trying to work out what time it is that I'm needing to talk to somebody. It's still morning for me, man. I'm on the West Coast, you know, it's, a, it's different
2: vibes for the three of us. But uh, I wanted to, ta- uh, to start out by asking you kind of uh, your genesis for the interest in baseball um, being from the UK. And uh, just kind of what you guys do over there at Batflips and Nerds. Like, what is your mo? What is your vibe? What is the most Batflips and Nerds story that you can think of?
1: <laughs> oh, I know <laughs> the answer to the second part of that question. <laughs> uh, we we um, we all have an. Uh, in, intro to baseball we, we've all come at it from a different place so the, there's four of us who make up the, the core of our podcast uh myself and tom darius and, and ben and we've all come from very different places my my personal background is um baseball used to be shown on on uh free-to-air tv or network tv in, in your speak over here in the uk uh when i was mm-hmm. at college so about 15 years ago uh and i uh i was an insomniac when i was at uni i had a you know a bit of a bit, bit of a rough time with my mental health and and it was on in the middle of the night and it was i'm a sports junkie uh, i like all all of the all of the main sports in the uk apart from rugby which i hate uh and uh yeah i uh, i spent a lot of time watching it and just developed a real uh, a real affinity with it. I really like the pace of the game. I really like the aesthetic of the game. I, I like the fact that there's there's jeopardy in every single pitch and so many different outcomes that can occur from one seemingly set, uh, uh you know, set setup. Forgive my poor syntax, but you know what I mean. Like you know, it looks like all that's happening is a man throwing a ball and a man hitting a ball, but absolutely anything can manifest itself in that place. And I kind of fell in love with that notion that it was. Both knowable and completely unknowable at the same time. So that was my intro to it. And then I, I, I had some time away from the sport. I, I, I stopped following it as I, as I moved around the country for, for, for work and, and pleasure. Uh, and then about five or six years ago, I, I just decided one morning, oh, why, why am I not watching baseball anymore? I should do that again. And much to my, uh, girlfriend's, irritation it was just uh, another <laughs> sport for me to be uh completely obsessed with and has become by quite some distance the one that i spend most time thinking about so that's that's my my intro and um yeah tom and i have been doing flips and nerds for for 4 years now tom and i started it and then then the other two came along we've we've just had a reshuffle cuz ben's gone to live in australia for a while so we've got some new people on board but yeah that was it there was nothing you know there's there was no no blogs no no websites no podcasts, no real coverage of baseball at all in the UK this time four years ago. Uh, all the, albeit the NFL and basketball are hugely, hugely popular over here. So we, uh, we saw a gap in the market and, and just, just went for it. So that's, that's, um, that's why I got into baseball. That's where we came into it as a, as a brand. So to, to come on to your, your second question. So, um, as I said, we come at, um, baseball from very different places. Um, Darius is, uh, uh he's a fantasy baseball nut by uh, by background and he writes for baseball prospectus amongst mm-hmm. other august publications uh as i said my my uh my interaction with the sport is very emotional um i'm quite loquacious i hope i hope i'm quite articulate uh, but the and and tom uh, tom so far plays so good Thank you, Tom plays dumb uh but the real the real joke of of our setup on the podcast is that uh obviously Darius is the guy who knows everything uh I'm the one who pretends to know everything but actually probably know the least um so that's the conceit of the whole podcast to answer what's the most bat flips and nerds thing we've done? I think you know we're we're um we try to be a little bit. Outside, uh, outside the eight ball, uh, if you will, uh, try and do things a bit differently. Get very stuck on on certain players and certain things that have happened in baseball. And one of the things that uh, we end up talking about a lot uh, that we're borderline obsessed with is the Jonathan Papelbon and Bryce Harper altercation uh, in the Nationals <laughs> dugout. Um, and we we recreated that at the London Stadium last year. Uh, we recreated several iconic moments in baseball, uh, Adrian Beltre moving, uh, the on deck circle and getting ejected and, uh, uh, the home run, uh, from Jose Bautista back in, back in the day. Uh, so yeah, we did all of those, uh, in the London Stadium when there was nobody there very early in the morning. Oh. Um, except when we did the Harper and Papelbon one, which included me, uh, being in a Papelbon jersey and Darius being in a Harper jersey and me, uh, Him ostensibly pretending to choke me out in the dugout of the London Stadium. There was one uh, person watching, and it was Buster Olney, and he just let us get on with it. Um, (laughs) So uh, that's uh, that's the most us thing, and it did very well uh, on on Twitter uh, numbers wise. Yeah, so we had to go and "That's what matters." At the end of the well, he was very very quiet. Um, Yeah, he he was like, "We yeah, uh, he was." We not really met him, and then uh, had a very nice conversation with him after he'd watched. He was like, "Was I watching what I think I was watching?" We were like, "Yes, you very much were, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's uh, uh, that's us.
2: I wonder if Buster only thinks that all u k baseball fans just cosplay moments in American baseball history. <laughs> I
1: really hope he does
0: <laughs> i mean you're the you're the sample size of one right now, so like he's going off nothing else, I think at this point <laughs> uh, yeah can you can you talk a little bit about Cause I, I think it's very easy for me to feel like, oh, I have baseball at my fingertips. I can, you know, take the subway uptown and go to a baseball game if it's baseball season. Um, and it's, it, it, I mean, it just, you know, it's very ubiquitous here. And I feel like I can talk to people, um, friends, whether they like baseball or don't like baseball, they at least have some kind of awareness of that. How does that differ for you guys, um, in in a in a place where it's not the dominant sport, there really is no pro, there's no professional baseball going on over there. Really, if I'm correct no, in not, saying not that, none at all. Yeah. So, how does that kind of change your engagement with the game? Like, do, when you tell people, "Hey, we do we have a baseball podcast?" Do they like just give you a funny look and then walk away? Because yeah,
1: people give us a funny look when we tell them we have a baseball <laughs> podcast and this sport was founded here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the truth is, is they absolutely do. I mean, it, it does feel a little bit like being in the Freemasons. Like you, you have to go up and give, <laughs> give people the special baseball handshake. i I've, um, I'm just, just in the process of, of changing jobs at the moment. But a guy, a guy joined my my old firm about a month ago, and. I noticed that he had a Toronto Blue Jays mug and it it took me maybe like a week, a week and a half to sort of get up the courage to go up to him and say, (laughs) so you like baseball then? To which I was really hoping the answer was going to be, oh yeah, I'm really into it. But, absolutely dreading the answer that I got which was oh no I've just been to Toronto and I was like oh no we're having a stop and chat about baseball that you really don't want to have What <laughs> a way to introduce myself and that's basically like my interaction with that, with the sport here you know if I see a Yankees uh, hat or I see a, a Yankees pencil case another guy who I was working with had one so I, th- I just know not to go near it but I, with Blue Jays I thought I was on firm ground so it is, it is a really strange experience I think you know there's a really firm um online community now so people organize uh watch parties and and meetups but they're um they're infrequent uh and feel a little bit constructed and and manufactured um but you know that's that's what we have and the the online community in and of itself is is really great uh there's a lot of people who were really really invested in it i mean far more invested than i am and i'm and i'm certainly in the, the sort of the the, the top percentile but yeah people people absolutely love it it's uh it's it's really great and it's been a real um pleasure for us to uh find that community to find an audience which we we really honestly didn't think we would this time four years ago
2: Yeah, i feel like there's been a quite a bit of quite a few like satellite fan blogs for each for each team like there'll be like uk mets fans will follow us on twitter and they'll have like 150 followers and then we'll check back and they'll have like 250 followers like a couple months later you know i wonder i wonder who's like at the center of organizing those things and um and how they sort of come about and like the motivating factor for starting a fan twitter account like that
1: yeah it's it's it takes a great deal of uh passion uh to do that um some of those a, a, a number of them predated us not all of them did and i'm not yeah. i'm not sort of laying claim to the fact that you know we we started this we had the the massive quirk of good fortune that mlb decided to to expand into our market very quickly after we we existed you know it brought a lot of attention to the sport here Sorry, I can just hear a cat. Oh, it's my cat. Sorry. I wasn't sure if that was on the line or it was behind me. Uh, yeah, that's my oh, cat. Oh,
2: that's all staying in. You love to hear yeah.
1: it. <laughs> you, you can't stop yourself, Matilda, can you? Um, yeah, so, sorry. She, she, likes, she likes appearing on podcasts. Oh, no, uh, yeah, so... Uh, yeah there is a lot yeah I, I think um you you will i i know i don't doubt um be aware of our, our friend joey mellows who goes under the the moniker i was, the best I was just Brits. about
0: to bring him up yeah yeah, he,
1: he brings a lot of attention like and he does a really great job of, of of bringing attention to uh these hardy people who are bringing together their own communities you know that the mets fans are are really out there. The Phillies have a lot of uh, engagement as do the Astros, and they do things that we don't do. We were, I was at an event that MLB ran in, in London on, on on Thursday, and a lot of those guys were there, and we were having like really positive conversations with them about, you know, they do a different thing to us, and they do do a lot of fan engagement. We just sit and you know talk talk to each other. Like that's what it yeah. is for me now. It's less about, um I mean, I we enjoy doing the podcast. We we are really uh, flattered that anybody wants to listen to it, but really, it's just you know, this is for, for mates who like talking about baseball and don't really have any outlet for it. And we just record it. What is sort of the timeline on what you guys talk about when? Like the if you're recording,
2: well, I guess more on a, on a nuts and bolts level is like, when do you watch games? Like, do you watch on delay? Do you watch kind of like the shorter recaps? Do you, do you stay up very late to watch them? How does that work? Uh,
1: I think I I am uh, probably not the right person to ask because I have the uh, constitution of a gnat so I absolutely do not stay up late, albeit I know that m- very many people do. I mean, I'm not mm. even watching the World Series if my team's in there. I'm like, I- that can wait till the morning. I'll eat yeah. that with my break. I'll watch that with my breakfast. Um, So yeah, I, I normally do watch catch-ups and I-, I watch a lot of the digested games when I'm when I'm commuting, you know, when I'm on the bus, when I'm on the train yeah. or the tram or something. Uh, and it's quite good for that. You know, you can you can go in cold, uh, not know the result and-, and and try and watch a few different games. But yeah, it's, it's a a real split a lot of people are incredibly committed and they're up um up at all hours of the day um watching it as best as they can the the, the games on 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 sundays that are probably an annoyance for you because they're at one o'clock that they're are our highlight of the week because they're at you know, six six <laughs> six six that's like p. your that's like UK. your nsl you can yeah yeah exactly right you can watch you can watch a whole game and still go to bed at a sensible hour
0: i this is an, a bit of an aside But uh, I I was really hoping that when you mentioned uh, Joey Mellows, the baseball Brit, that like you guys had some budding beef with each other, you know, (laughs) like like you guys are like, look, we've been the baseball Brits for four years now. And now all of a sudden, like this guy just wants to uh, just wants to parade around the, the country watching
1: baseball games like, wow, get with the program guy. He's a, he's a different cat, that boy. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> he's like, I think he's from a different planet, honestly. Like, when you, have you, have you had the pleasure of meeting him? I know, I know, um. I know that the, the Cespedes barbecue guys uh, have taken him under their wing, but he, he is, uh, he's a really cool dude, r- r- such a lovely guy, so passionate about the sport and, and no animus whatsoever. You know, his, yeah. his success is our success. He's really great. As I said, at, you know, reflecting on other people and it's, it's, but it is really wild for us to consider that, you know, this time three years ago, Joey was he like, he didn't have any Twitter followers. I remember uh when joey got in touch with us through twitter he just couldn't believe that there was a like a british baseball podcast and he told he started telling us so that like this coming year is going to be the third time he's traveled around the states Jeez. And yeah, exactly. It's mad, isn't it? The first time he did it, he, he went to a lot of independent games, and he told us he was doing this, and we were just like, "Mate, you're absolutely mad." We got him <laughs> on the podcast, and like, he, and he is as well, right? Like, <laughs> he actually is bonkers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's he's what he's what he's done for the sport, and like, guys, you know, the Americans absolutely love him. Like, he's got he's got a sort of modus operandi that we could never never tap into. He's got it is this
2: sort of like elevator pitch as baseball content you know, like, it's very easy to sell as, like, British guy, loves baseball, wants to go around the entire United States watching. It's, like, very easy, very good reason to go follow someone like that on Twitter and consume everything that they're doing and go along with the journey.
1: Absolutely. And, like, a a cynical person would look at it and go... He's he's really hamming up the Britishisms, like calling everything <laughs> ruddy, bloody lovely and things like that. But like I can tell you, having spent significant time with Joey, that is exactly what he's like. None of it is <laughs> manifest at all. It's just him. Yeah.
0: I think, yeah, you've got to be you've got to be a little bit out there to to want to do this sort of thing year after year. I mean, you have to be a little bit out there just to be any of us right here sitting yeah. down taking time out of our day <laughs> sure. talking, talking about this.
1: <laughs> absolutely right, yeah. And he, I don't know, I couldn't do what he's doing. It's just, it's, it's absolutely extraordinary the amount of miles that he puts in. Yeah, just, I don't think just because someone says, in hey, the entire United States." Exactly. You want to do 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 come to Wichita to watch a game, and he's just like, "Sure, where's that? Oh, it's fifteen hundred, fifteen hundred miles away. Okay, I'll be there tomorrow." <laughs> I assume he flies around. Does he have a car here? No, he drives mostly. Yeah, he, oh, he mostly boy. drives. He he hires a car and uh, just gets out on the road and, and and goes for it. So he um the first year he did it, he spent a lot of time with another friend of ours, a guy called Andy Brown, who's a really talented artist. He paints ballparks, and some of the stories that Andy can tell about, about Joey on the road are uh, yeah, they're, they're eye watering. But I'll leave those I'll leave those for Andy.
2: <laughs> Maybe Alex and I'll come into some some flush money and we'll just decide to take a year off and sort of test to see if we have the endurance of the baseball Brit. <laughs> yeah, I'm I, I down. don't think
1: anyone does. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you won't know until you try. All right. So uh, we did bring you on to do kind of what will define baseball in 2020? Because, um, you know, we do talk about the day to day. We try to talk about the players that we love. Um, we try to talk about baseball as pop culture, like as much as we possibly can. But we find ourselves continuously sort of coming back to these like big picture concepts that define um baseball year to year. And and we reflect back on those moments and we think like, you know, what what has defined the last couple of years? It's probably labor in baseball, the market and the way that it's changed and what defined this offseason and the last few months of last year. It's probably sign stealing. And, you know, there's probably a sign stealing conversation to be had within this. We might we might want to hold off on that and sort of talk about something different first, but for you, John, um, based on what you guys talk about a lot, based on the 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 friends that you have in the UK that you talk baseball with, um, what do you think is really going to define this 2020 upcoming season?
1: Um, I think a topic that we've talked about a little bit in our off-season podcast, particularly the ones over the last three or four weeks, is, is redemption, like the redemption of the sport. Um, this has been... In my time watching baseball, which, as I said, you know, stretches back for a fair time, albeit with a fallow period in the middle, the off-season that I remember the most happening and the most bad stuff. I mean, you touched on sign stealing. Let's 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 dock at that point in a moment. But just what's happening right now around the bets trade and the visceral, emotional public reaction to that. And the way that the Red Sox have handled it, like end to end stupidity. It's like literally, uh, it feels like John Henry and Tom Werner uh, have now got Donald Trump as a warm up act in terms of how stupid they can uh, appear publicly. And that coming after all of the stuff with, uh, uh, with the Astros and with, with, you know, the stuff coming out this week, like they literally called it code breaker. I mean, for God's Jesus. sake. Yeah. I- Jeff Loon just being every single trope of anyone you've ever heard of working at McKinsey all Seriously. rolled into the same person. Like, not even David Roth could have like come up with this joke as good as this on Twitter. You know, no, he, he he absolutely couldn't. And then and then yesterday, I mean, I I I had missed this until this morning. Trump Trump coming out and uh, saying that a convicted gambler and. Uh, accused pedophile Pete Royce should be in the, in the hall of fame. It's like, how could this, how could this possibly get any worse? Oh, there we are. Here he comes. The big wet precedent with a, with a, with a, a, a jar of gasoline to just pour on the fire. So for me, like we talked a few weeks ago in our podcast around the, around the, the science dealing and the code breaker stuff that this felt a bit like, uh, the state of cycling, not after Armstrong, but like 20 years ago when they had the, uh, the Festina affair and Armstrong was in and of himself the redemption at the time. Like the, the sport and its public image just feels like it's on its arse. And you, you desperately hope that somebody, a player, a team, a personality grabs hold of it and picks it up by its haunches and drives it into the public consciousness to something positive because the narrative around baseball is just, rank like toxic is not the right word like that gives it a degree of uh you know sort of like negative cache. it doesn't deserve that it's just like like it's like bin juice it's like the bin juice of narratives uh and so it feels like baseball in 2020 is a sport absolutely in in need of redemption and for some of its uh, great stars to uh pull it back into itself
0: yeah, I I think that you I mean especially with the with the sign stealing scandal and what everyone is going what everything that's happening with the with the Red Sox and Mookie Betts it it definitely feels like the the Dodgers could play that um that kind of foil because they were the ones who were um who could argue that they they felt the Astros sign stealing scandal the most and it cost them a world series and now they're they're reaping the the benefits of the Red Sox just running their baseball team like a hedge fund and so like i think it would be very easy for that fan base and that team to despite the fact that like They've done many crimes of their own, and it's not like they're underdogs or anything crimes. like that. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> but and, and, and I mean, right? I, you know, they're they're just they're just running their baseball like a slightly better hedge fund who just yes, Mookie. exactly Mookie yeah. Betts is a fungible asset to pick up <laughs> and dump at the end that of buys the season. Expensive stocks, not just penny stocks. Now, <laughs> yeah, exactly right. And you know, like I, I, even some of the the things that get forgotten, like that that whole. Raft of really good players that were just cut in order to m- take payrolls down. Like, h- how on earth was Kevin Pillar not the best player on the Giants last year and would have been the best player on the Giants this year and is still without a club? It's just everything. And yeah, I know you talked about the Labour Agreement and a lot of this is a product of the Labour Agreement. It's just... It's just the, the politics of the sport at the moment. And, you know, that whole narrative about, uh, sport and politics not mixing is, is, is an absolute nonsense. Just seems in a, in a really nasty place. I would say, might so say it's interesting that you said the, the Dodgers there, Alex. I would, I would have said, um, the twins are the ones, right? You know, they're, they're a small market team who's actually speculated. They've gone out and signed. Donaldson, they've done some really interesting things in the offseason. And if anyone's a victim here, it's it's Brusdar Gratterall. Now, I understand from the latest intelligence that this trade is going to go through, but what would be better than uh, a Twins Red Sox ALCS and Gratterall coming in in the eighth, the eighth oh inning or something to uh, yeah. lights out 100 mile an hour sinker bowling ball? Uh, you know, and uh, Alex Verdugo just chops it straight in the air. That's what we all want to see. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's almost too perfect. Well, it's interesting. So, it's not very often we we talk to people who are fr- not from the United States. So I'm curious to kind of hear your perspective on the the way that the labor agreement has played out over the last um, year and a half or so, because Alex and I, we frequently talk about how tough of a sell it is to get fans to be on the side of labor because the United States has spent decades and decades and decades undermining the idea of unions. And at the end of the day, though they make millions and millions of dollars, they're part of a labor union. So I'm curious to see how how those conversations have played out for you guys all on your podcast or outside of your podcast or on the blog or anything like that and how, um, you know, observing sort of through the looking glass, how it's played out here in the US.
1: So that's a a really interesting question. Um, And actually, it sort of touches on this really odd uh, dichotomy, which is uh, how your major sports, and it's not just uh, baseball, although it's the most famous with with Marvin Miller and everything and and how our national sport in, in football or soccer is run, and they're so different, right? You know, the notion that, that even though there is a players' union in in football and and, and soccer, it doesn't form uh, the same role, doesn't play the same role. It's very much an incredibly capitalistic libertarian outlook. You know, I, I follow mm-hmm. a team who who plays in the in in the lower reaches of of professional soccer, and that's where they live, and that's where they'll stay because that's uh, how the market is set up. So. I think perhaps that gives me a very different aspect on, on unionization in baseball than, than some others. And I think that I'm not the only person in the UK who thinks that. I think a lot of us see the power of the union is an incredibly positive thing. That's not to say that unionization is not, not an important thing in, in British culture, but, you know, very much so, you know, labor politics in the, in the 20th and the 21st century here are really, really important to the social contract in the UK. And, you know, I've grown up in an atmosphere where that's really important uh, in terms of my personal social politics from where I'm from within the UK as well. So I have a really like uh, quite a, uh, my view of this is, is maybe, very, very much on the the extreme. Uh, but it's really interesting to see a sport that, that. Welcome has- to the
2: family, the tipping pitches family left labor extreme views is how you could describe our show
1: <laughs> good well yeah well it sounds like i'm gonna very much fit in then so yeah i think the same but it's re- but but you know from a coming from a, a place where sport doesn't have that i just think it's it's absolutely extraordinary like it's it's an amazing thing but i think that the last 18 months have have really torn away at the fabric of that somewhat now i i get absolutely dismayed when i see some of uh my peers in the uk fan community out there you know sort of uh, banging the drum for ownership and saying that players are greedy and so on and so on. And that, you know, it was good that Kimbrell and Keikel didn't get what they wanted this time last year. It's just, it's absolutely mad. Like, it, 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 yeah, I, I find it absolutely, it, and the way that people are eating up this Red Sox narrative right now, like, it, of course they've done a U-turn because they, they, they couldn't believe the, the public backlash. That's quite, it, it's quite obvious to me. Yeah, it's 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 absolute madness. It's just yeah. Anyway, I've 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 waffled, but hopefully that's <laughs> made made some sense.
0: No, yeah, I I think that's an interesting way of of looking at it. And and when you talk about kind of like how baseball is perceived by the public right now, I I think back to like the last quote unquote major scandal, which is like the steroid era, right? And how much that felt like. I mean, there was certainly, like, it was very much a scandal in its own right, and it was a national conversation. I mean, the literal U.S. government got involved, and... I, <laughs> I'll never understand I'll that. never understand never. why it that was never what they went after, but, you know, that's another story. Um, But it felt like that felt very much confined to just, like, these... Vague hand waves at like integrity, right? And it wasn't so much about, it it didn't feel so weighted in these actual like political issues because A-Rod is still getting his massive contracts, right? Albert Pujols is still about to get paid. And you could, you could sit down with two people who who looked at the sport or looked at the steroid scandal from different perspectives said it's right or it's wrong But at the end of the day. We think that like the game is okay and it's going to survive and everything feels so much more fraught right now. Like you look around and I'm like, I can count multiple illegal actions going on right here. There are a bunch of people in front offices who should be in jail right now who aren't. And I'm just kind of like, like, where is this, where do we go from here? You know, it feels like things are bleeding out more and more into v- like very real fraught political issues that like affect us day to day.
1: Am I wrong in thinking that? I mean, I, I don't think so. Looking at this from, from, from a distance, right? It feels like this is the world that we live in now, you know, where, where absolutely anything goes, as long as you don't get caught, you know, it's, mm-hmm. I I live in a, I live in a political economy where, uh, you know, there's very, very credible allegations and evidence that we're leaving the, the world's major trading and political union off the back of, uh, fraud, right? Uh, and, uh, people seem to just have ignored that because that was the will of what people wanted. And therefore we can get on with it. I mean, that's it. Like. A much bigger scale than baseball, but it just, and you know, let's not talk about Trump because I just don't want to because it makes my, my brain hurt. It very <laughs> much feels like this is a, a sports story of our time, doesn't it? As did steroid abuse, right? That, you know, the nineties was that, that, that sort of culture of individual narcissism and it came to its zenith in, in baseball in, in that, in that act. And, and, and it's interesting you talked about the, uh, the Senate hearings and so on. It did, it did just feel like, you know, this opportunity for these old white dudes who came from privileged backgrounds to wave bits of paper at people who came from a, a completely different caste from them and say, well, look, you know, I've got integrity and you haven't. Whereas here, the people who are the villains are, are the plutocrats. You know, they're the people who are making the money and turning the crank and making the political donation. So it's very easy to turn a blind eye to them, right?
2: I think it's actually, Alex, you bring up a good point in that it's, it's hard to ignore the way that these things interact. It's harder than ever to ignore that the way that these things interact, because it's all sort of part of the same constellation of capitalism and money and how these things interact. And, you know, I went on a, I went on a tinfoil hat rant a few weeks back about how just like how baseball teams are essentially operating exactly the same as other American corporations. And so that comes with all of the same issues and complexities and you know, the way that people feel personally while working for those corporations or as a fan, I guess you could say we're in some ways working for the teams that we root for. But I I do think that there is sort of a like, you see all these things next to each other on Twitter and it just makes them feel closer together than they've ever felt before. And I I don't know, there's like, there's a point that I'm trying to make about the way that like algorithms have affected how we think about the problems of the world and the ways that they interact. But I actually think that there is a thread here between all of these things as evidenced by the fact that we're talking to you, John, and we've never talked to you before, but you feel the same way completely across an entire ocean.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting to to think of it like that. You know, the, the world is a small place now. And, you know, I, I talked about our political situation Um you know, the stink of your political state uh, uh, situation is all over that too, right? You know, he was he was advising uh, the 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 vote leave campaign and the 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 British Conservative Party, none other than former senior advisor to the president cum basement dweller extraordinaire Steve Bannon, right? <laughs> yes.
2: That's a name I haven't thought of in a, quite a minute. He's sort of fallen off the <laughs> United States radar. <laughs> um so you so you said redemption, right? Um I'm I'm curious to hear if you had to predict that redemption who is it how is it what is it what do you want it to be
1: oh man well I said yeah I I touched on maybe the twins I've got a I've got a bit of a a self-obsession about small market teams this 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 perhaps comes from my uh my place as as a as a recovering Red Sox fan um so I I you know I I I I grew up watching baseball in the early 2000s and it was very easy for me to fasten onto a team that was full of personalities doing incredible things. And the more I got to know them, particularly in the last couple of years, uh, you know, I was an early adopter of the, what the hell are these guys doing? They are not your friends. Uh, So yeah, I'd (laughs) like, I'd like to see it come from a small town team. And you know, we had this really silly joke and quest or, thing in the podcast last year where we were trying to get people to pitch for me to take uh, take ownership of a different team and to support a different team and I I decided in the end that they were they were all compromised or corrupt in one way or another uh, and I couldn't choose any of them but I think I'd like it to come from from left field from a from a team who's maybe Trying to do something a bit differently, um, and doing it for a, a city that is, is uh, ill-starred and you maybe don't hear about uh, so much. So the most obvious candidates to me seem to be, um, the twins who I've mentioned already and, and the reds. And uh, we talked before we started recording about, um, our, our shared love of, of Joey Votto. Um, yeah, they, oh, they yeah. would be the ones, that would be the team that I'd really want to come through with redemption, but, or equally, you know, just, just, um, You know, a good, a good dude. Uh, I'm trying to think of who would be a good dude to be the, 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 the face of redemption. I mean, Christian Yellick seems to be putting himself into that mold. Uh, absolutely could get on board of, uh, a sport that was uh, brought to heel by that individual.
0: Yeah. I, I think that, um, I think that players who especially have been unfairly kind of maligned, whether it's in the media or by their own team, like, I like I want like I want Chris Bryant to yep. oh, yeah. uh, to have an incredible year and I don't want him to reward the Cubs ownership for exploiting his service time but like I also really would like him to find some way to just like thumb his nose at them you know and I don't know what that looks like but I I I am rooting for the players who have just had their public perception just, like, washed because because the teams have just turned on them, right? Even, even Mookie Betts, right? And, like, yep. that's not even a redemption story, so to speak. But as the guy, as this literal second-best player in baseball who got traded for pennies on the dollar, like, I... I'm rooting for him. I I throw my support behind how, how him.
1: How about this? It's uh, D- David David Price uh, starts World Series winning Game Seven. Um The man, <laughs> yes, completely forgotten about the salary dump himself. <laughs> one of the top fifty pitchers in baseball, a complete afterthought who has been written off as a complete stink in Boston, and behind yeah, as an absolutely terrible individual. None of which backs up anything that you've heard about this guy any time ever i mean that that would be one for me and I, the other one i would have said as well i got a guy who was also uh, dumped for pennies on the dollar uh, uh, is who is going to be balling for his hometown team who i absolutely love would have been marcus stroman as well but then the Will Pons are still yeah. there and i don't want them to win anything so sorry <laughs> yeah, well,
2: yeah well doesn't that feel like a little perfect though like these these weird fuck-ups would get rewarded somehow in this world that we've
1: made for ourselves yeah, that would that would seem like, you know, the, Met, the Mets finally having a good season and, and having all of their starters uh, being perfect and everyone getting on board the bandwagon of the the lovable ragamuffin Mets. And then you see the Wilpons holding the commissioner's trophy at the end of the year. It was, it was just like it
2: was really I'm a big Mets fan. It was really hard for me when the Mets made the World Series in 2015 to watch them take the NLCS trophy. That was tough for me because it went straight from David Wright to those dipshits.
0: It was really hard for me. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, this conversation kind of um, reminds me of one that we had on here a couple weeks ago about rooting for teams versus rooting for players. And it feels like in this age right now, like I look around and I'm trying to find like underdog teams, you know, teams who are like neutral good. And it's very hard <laughs> to find any. And it feels so any. much easier to be like Joey Votto. I love, I love him. I love everything that he does. I love the way he plays baseball. I love the things that he says. I'm rooting for him specifically because I don't want to root for Trevor Bauer, but I want Joey Votto to have all of the things in the world.
2: Yeah, I think maybe what we figured out for ourselves is that we just
1: need to be tennis fans, Alex. <laughs> or we can just root for one dude. Yeah, but which which tennis dude would you root for, though, right? Because, like, look, I mean, Roger yeah. Federer, you know, he's glamorous. He's the greatest player of all time, but he's just incredibly smug. Novak Djokovic, just, he just, he's just the swat in school. He just tries too hard. Rafael Nadal, I mean, he's got all those... Oh, he's if, the if, worst.
2: If, he's if he the claims worst.
1: pulling his shorts out of his backside...
0: Ah, uh, uh, I'm yeah. tr- I'm tr- trying to think about like analogies, like baseball analogies to all these guys. Like Roger Federer is absolutely Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter, it's oh yeah, to- <laughs> yeah. Like that, so there's true. never been a bigger lock than that.
1: <laughs> Who's Nadal? A Rod? Um, I, is- I my mind went to A Rod, but
2: did he ever have a cheating scandal, Nadal?
1: Uh, well, yeah. I mean, there's there's very credible uh, suggestion that he's also he's also been on the juice as well. Um. Uh, and who would uh, he would Djokovic be? He'd probably be like Cal Ripken. Just just give me some more reps, please. <laughs> yeah. I just want to play again. Uh,
2: he sounds more Murray like uh, openly angry, though. Than yeah, Cal Ripken. Ripken seems like a lunch pail guy. I don't, this yeah. is a
1: fun game. I like this. Would Murray be someone really likable who's, uh, you know, just got a lot of dog spirit who gets injured all the time? Dustin Pedroya. There he is. Uh, oh. Dustin Pedroya. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, so that I mean, it's funny. I know you guys had uh, Sean Doolittle on on your podcast a few weeks ago, and as as did we. And and I had this conversation with with Sean and Aaron. Aaron Aaron asked me who I supported, and I kind of stumblingly said, "Well, no one," because I. Followed the Red Sox and, and they're all bad now. And Sean said, yeah, trading Mookie bets. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And they, they, they said, you know, what, so which players, which players do you root for? And that the first name that came out of my mouth was Joey Votto. The second was Yasiel Puig, another guy I know that you guys are fans of. Um and Xander wow. Bogarts, who I absolutely everybody
2: love. check the free space on your bingo card. Yasiel Puig coming up. You love, to <laughs> yeah. See there it. you go. <laughs> well,
1: yeah. Well, Xander Bogarts is is another guy who I just have so much time for. I think he just yeah, uh, he's great. Carries himself incredibly. He's very uh, very handsome. He's very uh, clubbable. He's a real real leader and uh, plays plays the game in the right way, if there is such a thing.
2: Yeah, this is my thing. It's really unfortunate that all of the teams that I'm supposed to think of as villains have all of these fun young players who I absolutely love and cannot root against in good conscience. Like, the Red Sox with all of those guys. Betts, Bogart, Stephen JBJ, and then Devers. Devers as well. He's who's like 19 and like should be in his (laughs) second year of college or whatever and then the yankees which is sort of the unspoken subtext of this podcast is that i've been trending towards rooting for the yankees for the last two months because i love all of their players (laughs) not actually but i love all of their players and i love what they do in terms of just like you know what fuck you guys we're we're just going to be the team to give garrett cole 330 million dollars
1: yeah. I, I mean, the Yankees uh, coming back around to the, the London thing that they, they won themselves a lot of fans last year. That the way that they conducted themselves around that series was, was really, really extraordinary. Like they sent a, a whole bunch of Yankees legends to do this coaching clinic at the, the London Mets Club, which is one of the, one of the big uh, baseball uh, clubs over here. And you know, it was like Mariano Rivera uh, and Andy Pettit teaching like eight year old kids how to pitch. A Rod and Hideki Matsui teaching them how to hit. It was like, and the Red Sox did nothing. Like the, the Red Sox uh, held a charity gala uh, hosted by Prince Harry at Kensington Palace, and the the gulf between those two approaches to how they were going to be in London. I just, I, I, it really, it really resonated with me. I was just like, wow, that's uh, that says something about um, these two franchises and the direction that they're going in.
2: That's especially weird because John Henry owns Liverpool right? Like you'd think he would have the connections to make something like that happen in the UK. Uh, You
1: you would think so, right? It was really strange to me. And you know, from, from everything that we, we heard from, from talking to people in MLB UK and talking to people in the press box, it sounded like they'd really done their, their uh, homework, the Yankees, but yeah, the, the Red Sox didn't even, even take anyone to Liverpool. I I have a story. I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to, I'm going to say it anyway. Um, So, uh, in the run up to the, uh, series, uh, Jackie Bradley came over to, uh, the UK to do a couple of personal appearances. Uh, he did one in London and then he was due to do one in Liverpool and he went to Liverpool with Sam Kennedy and the Commissioner's Trophy. And this time last year, I don't know if you guys follow soccer, um, Liverpool were in, in the midst of a really difficult, uh, Premiership race against Manchester City Which they ended up losing uh, Very much at the last minute And it was felt by the Red Sox brass That Jackie Bradley Jr Going out onto the pitch at Anfield Stadium And holding up the Commissioner's Trophy Would be too incendiary for the Liverpool fans And therefore he was very quietly just sat in the stand Uh, Yeah, uh, so clearly they've got uh, And it's kind of the other way around now, right? You know, all all of the narrative has been That, uh, you know, this is Henry's just pivoting Towards uh, Liverpool He doesn't care about Boston anymore
2: yeah, well they're spending big, so yeah. I don't know.
1: Very much
0: so. So you say that redemption, this idea of redemption is kinda kind of be this this overarching theme that we'll see come up throughout this uh upcoming so. baseball season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, and I think I think you're you're right about that. Um are there storylines, and they can be things that you just are personally interested in watching, um, they can be about players or teams or whatever, um, are there storylines that you will be paying closer attention to that you think might go... Overlooked because of a lot of these like just massive moral quandaries about the Astros or the Red Sox. I mean, do you are are there any storylines that you will be kind of honing in on that you take particular interest in?
1: Um, there's two or three. I think right. I think the first one, which we've talked about quite a lot in this conversation, is 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 the labor agreement itself. You know, it's, it's it's coming up for renewal. 2021, right? I think that there's going to be a lot of, uh, uh, you know, uh, faux outrage around that. There's going to be a lot of posturing and positioning about the negotiation over the course of this year, but it does feel like it's happening in a very different context now. It feels like on both sides, they feel like they've got dirt on one another, you know, so. Uh the ownership is like, well, you know this this sign dealing scheme was led by the players, and they're the real cheats. they don't deserve anything whereas on the on the contrary, you've got things like the bet set up, and that's the real backdrop to all of this conversation, but it also feels like it's been lost because you know uh the politics always gets lost in the tabloid sensation, so that's a thing I'll probably be keeping my eye on and 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 I hope i'll be 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 reminding myself that we should Pay attention to that as well. In terms of, um, storylines around, around teams or around players, I remain absolutely obsessed by the angels, albeit a team I don't. Watch at all because based on the West Coast, it's 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 rather ironic, you know. I I I call myself a baseball plat, fan, and I've never watched Mike Trout play a game live in his home stadium because you know they take place at three o'clock in the morning. I'm sorry, I'm asleep.
0: Yeah. Um, so yeah,
1: what what what's going to happen with the Angels this year? Is is Otani going to come back uh, and be as good as everyone hopes? Are they finally going to be able to put a, a like a winning team on the field, or are they going to waste a, another year of arguably the greatest player of all time? Just feels like the enduring narrative that I, I think I read Craig Calcaterra uh, tweeting the other day in light of the the Peterson and and Stripling trade, which may still go through. That every year they make themselves look like they might be credible, and every year they are incredibly bad in yet another <laughs> way. So I always enjoy watching them. Uh, And I mentioned them already. I think the Reds are a really interesting club, uh, as are the Padres as well. Uh, Like they've done some... Really funky and cool stuff over the course of the winter. I'm really interested to see how, uh, Shogo Akayama does, uh, in, in the outfield there in, in Cincinnati. I'm interested to see if Eugenio Suarez continues to be the best player in baseball that nobody's ever heard of. Uh, yeah. And, um, I'm interested to see, if, uh, the Padres, uh, manage to, to fill out that rotation after Chris Paddock or if they just continue to try and ride some people who you've never heard of. He will be in a David Roth tweet this time in 10 years' time, right? Uh, uh my, my my fellow podcaster, Tom, is, is a Padres fan, and he's probably going to listen to this and like, I can't believe you spoke about the Padres because I, I try and avoid that topic. So I've done it here so that I don't have to do it on our own podcast.
2: Check that box. Alex and I do a thing every off-season now. Well, we've done it for the last two off-seasons where we just – Put uh, teams in a random number generator, and that decides who we're going to bandwagon for that year, like who nice. we're going to add to our fan base. So I just recently got the Reds, and I'm very excited about that. And Alex just recently got the Rays, so it's going to be a bigger lift for him to kind of root for a, a team that ostensibly is
0: competing against the A's, who he's a fan of, uh, yep. for a wild card spot. We'll see about that. I it's it's interesting the the thread that I think ties all of. Um, those rooting interests that you brought up, whether it's the Angels or the or the Reds or the Padres, um, is that these are all teams who feel like they're on the precipice of something. Whether that's mm. because Absolutely. whether that's because they have a lot of young talent, or they've managed to just cobble together some some vets and some budding veterans like Yasiel Puig or Eugenio Suarez or whatever. Um, or even just having the best player in baseball in Mike Trout and seeing what you can, and then just proceeding from there. Um, And, it feels like the
2: Angels are always on the precipice of something because the <laughs> precipice of the idea that Mike Trout could be in the playoffs
1: some fucking day. Yes. They're yeah, on the precipice exactly. of having an entire rotation of people who need Tommy John surgery every year. <laughs> <laughs> it's so sad.
0: But but what I really like about it, and I just kind of tying it back to what we've been talking about, is like this idea of these teams are fun to watch because They're on the precipice of something, but they're not quite there yet, but they're still going to try. And like, just how much fun that is to watch and going into the season, not having any idea if the Reds are going to be great or if they're going to be terrible and not knowing if this is the year that Eric Hosmer just blows out and, and (laughs) his contract is just dead weight. Um, But that idea of like, teams that are hanging in there and making that push for it. It feels like such a rarity these days when you actually see teams do that, that it's very easy to rally around the team, like the Padres, you know?
1: Yeah, well it's like the Braves last year, right? You know, the Braves uh three years ago stunk to high heaven, but there was there was and there was nothing to hope on at all, you know. Uh they were doing the, that that weird trade for uh Tuki Descent, right, and, and Shelby Miller. It's like what what that what the hell is this? Uh and then you know, they were good the following year, but not brilliant, but good enough. Uh and then last year all of those players who who had been in the farm uh, illegally, surreptitiously or otherwise they all hit. And that's that's what we're all fans for, right? We're we're all fans because we want to see these players who we've dreamed on for such a long time uh, fulfill their promise. And when they do it all at once, it can be uh, incredibly special. I mean, the, the Braves been the best example of that last year.
2: Yeah, I, I completely agree. As someone who's a Mets fan, give me some more Pete Alonzos, you know? <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> I'll take all the Pete Alonzos I can get. Um, John, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. This was a lot of fun. Um, Do you want to plug everywhere that everyone can find Batflips and Nerds in the podcast as well?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, So uh, you can find us uh, most actively on Twitter. It's at Batflips underscore Nerds. Batflips, all one word, underscore Nerds. Uh, And we have a website where you can find all of our... latest podcasts and we get an awful lot of uh, content from uk fans uh, looking at baseball from different perspectives on there we've had uh, i think probably about 20 articles over the course of the last week none of which are written by me uh, so they're probably good Uh, that's batflipsandnerds.com yeah so those are the two places that you can find us alex any closing thoughts did
2: we miss anything
1: I, I think we covered it all.
0: I'm, I'm actually pretty stunned. We ran the
2: gamut of all of the capitalistic interests in the world and baseball at large. Yeah,
0: we did. And we actually managed to not really talk about the Astros. And frankly, I, I think we're all better for that because yeah. <laughs> this podcast
1: would last three hours and then we'd all just be angry. Can I just say, on as my parting thought, Jeff Lunau sucks. <laughs> Go up. Got him. Speak Got on it. him. No, just that. That'll do. That's all I need to say. That guy is just horrible. Get yeah, him out of baseball and never ever allow him back. What a vile, vile individual. Yeah. The, the Asuna thing, the Talman thing. This, it's a and you know, and it was his uh, his two guy Chris Correa worked under him at the the Cardinals mm-hmm. and there was uh, you know hacking systems as well. Yeah, you're a top dude, Jeff. Get, <laughs> get out and don't come back. Let day of the dawn blast your backside on the way out. Wow. Oh he didn't my just God. drop the
2: mic. He threw it out
0: the window. That was I that was it. a peak tipping pitches rant. That's, yeah, That's that was awesome.
2: <laughs> John, thank you so much, man. We really appreciate this. And uh, we will be consuming all the Batflips and Nerds content throughout the season as well. So everybody go listen, subscribe, follow them on Twitter. They're a great follow. And uh, thanks for coming on, John. Yeah, thanks, John. Thanks, guys okay thank you again to john mcgee for coming on discussing some pretty some pretty deep shit man the the, the unique forces of capitalism in baseball and, and how it affects us as fans in 2020 that will not be new to any tipping pitches listeners but if you're a first-time listener this
0: is the type of stuff we get into yeah i think that I, I, like I said, going into this, the hope was that we would get some vastly different perspectives. And John came at us with some answers that I think neither you nor I was expecting. So, uh, so thank you so much to John for coming on and taking the time to do that. We had a we had a really great time, and everyone should go check out his podcast, his Baseball Network Batflips and Nerds, which features him and a handful of his buddies talking about baseball from a From the perspective across the pond.
2: Uh, There is one thing that I do want to talk about with you, Alex, before we get out of here. Okay. It's Tim Tebow power hour time. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, my. It's been so long. Here's what Tim did in the last week. There are two things.
0: There's one good and one bad.
2: (laughs) We'll start with the bad. He uh, tripped over his own feet and dropped a pop-up in the outfield that would have been the last out of the game. (laughs) (laughs) You know, whom among us? Has not tripped over,
0: tripped over their feet
2: in the outfield. It happens to the best of us. And by the best of us, I mean Little League kids. Yeah. And no one else. <laughs> and then the second thing is that uh, he had a home run in spring training off a real hey. MLB pitcher.
0: Oh, my gosh. I'm so happy to be. I was so upset when the Tim Tebow power hour was prematurely ended last year because he got injured. That was just yeah. like, I remember where I was when I heard the news.
2: You know, well, it just kind of came to a sad end because we were going strong talking about him for a while. And, you know, you would come with his his last week of baseball reference stats and I would be like, oh, that's better than I was expecting. And then, you know, it kind of waned a little bit. He just got a little bit worse week by week. And then he got called up to AAA and he was just downright bad. He was bad all of last year until he got hurt. He hit like 180. But the year before that, he was hitting like 280. So I don't, I don't know if it's really just like, I don't know if it's really just like the jump from double A AA to triple A, where like
0: not only can people throw off speed, but they can also like locate. <laughs> you know, it's just there's an adjustment period, man. Everyone goes through it. Not everyone comes up and is and is God at the plate. You know, it takes a year or two. I mean, as I've
2: said a million times with regards to Tim Tebow, if you're a longtime listener, you will know that my stance on this matter is that not all baseball progress is linear.
0: Yeah, and you know, you asked me if Yasiel Puig is going to be a Met in 2020. No, because they already have Tim Tebow. That would be redundant. If the Mets don't sign Yasiel Puig because of Tim Tebow, I'm going to freak the fuck out. <laughs> that um, is going to be a real Tim Tebow power hour.
2: He, I I saw someone noted this on Twitter, but he's never hit a home run to his pull side. And ever since this Mets experiment started, all of the home runs that he's hit have been in opposite field. Is that
0: a good sign? I feel like that's not a good sign. I, I, I was At first I was intrigued because I was like, oh, opposite field power. And then I just realized it means he's literally not getting around on any nope. pitch. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he is really strong. He has an okay swing, but like not the greatest swing plane. I mean, we're not here to break down Tim Tebow's swing, but he has an okay swing. And he's obviously got, you know, a strong base and a lot of power because he's like a really big dude. So Every once in a while, he runs into a, a fastball or whatever it might be that he's hitting out, but he, he just goes opposite field with it, which it's it's one thing if you can hit home runs to both ways. It's another thing if you haven't hit any home runs to your pull side, meaning
0: that you didn't identify the pitch and, and turn around on it. <laughs> you know, I'd really like him he's to He's like get... the opposite of Jordan Alvarez. <laughs> I just want him to get called up so I can get my Tim Tebow baseball card and put it on my on my dresser next to my Deion Sanders baseball card and Michael Jordan baseball card. That's all I need in my life.
2: Uh, it feels good to have Tim Tebow stuff to talk about again. That's it. You know? It's getting back to the roots of our podcast.
0: Exactly. It's like As we the, go into year three. The sun has broken through the clouds.
2: Um, I think that's all we got for you this week. Uh, we really appreciate you listening. If you're a new listener, um, please subscribe to our podcast. You can hear it wherever you hear podcasts. Uh, a rating and a review would be great if you're a longtime listener and you like what we're doing here. Like I said at the beginning of the show, we have a couple more uh, 2020 preview episodes coming up in the in the coming weeks, so we hope that you're really excited for those because we are really excited
0: for those. We got some. And we got some returning guests, some friends of the pod coming
2: back. Two returning guests. It'll be it'll be a coronation as as they come back for their second time on the show. <laughs> um, I'm really looking forward to this baseball season starting. And I don't think there's a better way to do it than to chat with smart people about what we should look out for in 2020.
0: Hell yeah. Thanks for listening, y'all. We will see you next week.